Hey, Angela. Hi, Catherine. All right, you ready to tell the listeners our really big secret? Yeah. The secret behind the double shift is that we work closely together every week, but we have never met in real life. Never met in person. I don't know what Catherine smells like. (laughs) (laughs) I've never caught a whiff of her shampoo or perfume or lotion. This is The Double Shift, the show that challenges the status quo of motherhood in America. I'm your host, Katherine Goldstein. And I'm your co-host, Angela Garbins. So the last couple shows, our guests have gotten really honest about their finances during the pandemic. And today, we're going to get real and a little awkward about our lives as mothers and creatives and business ladies during a time when so many mothers are reconsidering or being forced to reconsider their career choices. Yep, we're going to talk about running the double shift as a business and talk about the complexities of being a mission-driven enterprise, which is what I think of us as, during a time of massive economic uncertainty, in case you haven't noticed. (laughs) Okay, so Angela you became part of the double shift a little less than a year ago. Yeah, so it's um I remember, you know, when you asked me, it was the summer of 2020 to work on the show and I said yes. And then I was like, I have no idea what's involved in podcasting, <laughs> right? Like um I I mean, there's so many things involved, like just the practical stuff, I didn't know how everything worked. Um and I definitely didn't know anything about the money side of things. And as we were working on it, it became a big time commitment. Right. And it took up um, a lot of space that could go to my primary work, which is still writing. So I wanted to make sure that I advocated for myself as a contributor and a worker. And so I remember just, I brought up the subject by saying, hey, could we maybe have a conversation about possible further compensation? Right. Like if we sort of have this huge success spike out of, you know, some of our collaborations together. Yeah. And I didn't want to make it seem like I was just like, give me more money. right? But I was (laughs) like, at this point, if the show grows, I'm a part of that. So when we had that conversation, I remember this was like a lightning bolt moment for me. You said, honestly, I'm just super flattered that you think I make any money at all off of this show. (laughs) (laughs) Still true. (laughs) And But that was, I mean, it blew my mind, right? I was like, oh, I am so glad that I asked. (laughs) Right. And, and, And you know what that conversation made me realize is how I haven't really been transparent with listeners, the world, or even, like, our own team about what goes into making this show. And I think that that's really important for a couple of reasons, because, one, I feel like we're in a moment where, like, secrecy about money only hurts people at this point. And, you know, I'm really not into the ideas around super moms do everything. And I felt like it was important to be honest about what it takes to make this show rather than just presenting this world with this, like, shiny, wonderful product and act like there's no struggle behind it, you know? I mean, it's it's bringing what we—the way we talk about— parenthood and motherhood in general, we we talk about all of it, right? The things that are really hard and the things that are challenging. And this work covers that topic. But I mean, we should talk about it in terms of 
the business of running this too. Right. It goes in with the belief of like being transparent about as many things as we can and especially about hard things. I feel like how I approached the show coming back from my unpaid maternity leave last year, I look back on it, even though it was only a couple months ago, like, I feel like I was actually kind of manic about it Mm -hmm. and not, like, super strategic about my time and, like, team members' time. And I just felt like I really wanted to come back. And I'm really proud of the episodes we put out, and I'm really excited that we started this collaboration together, Angela. And I'm also just going to cut myself some slack here because, like, there's not exactly a Harvard Business School case study on, like, how to come back to your small business while parenting twins during a pandemic. There's, like, no playbook. (laughs) Yeah. You mean that hasn't been prioritized by higher institutions yet? (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Maybe they should have me write it for them. But, um, I don't know. I definitely feel like I was operating from a place of fear about being left out of the conversation or not contributing to this moment. And that was like, I feel like a mistake that I made last year in terms of how I was running the business. Mm -hmm. So Angela, what about you? Are you able to relate to this feeling of like worried about that you're not contributing or that you're going to lose relevance during this time that's so intense for mothers? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, the way that you keep your name out there as a writer is to to write things. <laughs> so if you're not writing yes. things, right, like no one's going to hear from you. And so there's definitely that feeling of like losing relevancy. And I try to slow it down and tell myself, I still will have valid ideas. I have valid ideas now. Also, I, I, I mean, I here I am. We're making a podcast. Like, right. we are showing up. And I'll remind you that we talked about how it's not about showing up perfectly. It's about showing up at all. Right. And I feel like that was the ethos of, like, coming together to make our episodes. But I think also, now that I've had a little more time to think about it, like, how am I going to run this as a financially sustainable business is a question that is not something I can back burner indefinitely or at all. (laughs) So, So actually, on that note... We will be back with some more real talk, and Angela's going to ask me some hard questions. You won't want to miss it. So one of my personal obsessions that I think so many families should consider is co-housing. Our episode, Don't Call Me Mom, Call Me Ted, was set in a co-housing community, and we've also talked about it in other episodes. With its common spaces and strong community, it offers kids freedom and independence to roam and connect with nature that is honestly hard to find these days, all with loving neighbors invested in your kids' lives. Right now, there's an opportunity to actually get in on a great community that's about to start construction. Co-housing ABQ owns four acres of land along the beautiful Rio Grande, just minutes from downtown Albuquerque. The community already has 12 kids and many aunties and grandparents, and they've supported one another through COVID and before, creating a culture of trust, fun, and care. All they need to be complete is you. Go to cohousingabq.org slash the double shift to check out their website and sign up for an info session. Honestly, browsing this website, this place looks really dreamy, and I'm not going to lie, it kind of makes me want to pick up and move to Albuquerque. So go check it out and learn more about how Cohousing ABQ can become your village. That's cohousingabq.org slash the double shift. It's also linked in our show notes. (laughs) 
I think I want to just go ahead and acknowledge an uncomfortable fact. Both of us are able to do this work sort of as creatives and not always taking the most lucrative opportunities available because we have employed husbands who earn more than we do and provide our family's health insurance. How does it sound to you when I say that out loud like that? (laughs) Um, You know, I'm, I'm in a good place about it at this moment. You know, like that's just a fact, right? I mean, it's not a coincidence that our husbands make more than us and they're male and white. Right. Like, um, and you know, rationally, I know it's not because my work is worth any less. It's just because I'm not seen as being worth as much. And I'd say I fully believe that. Like, I believe it and I know it in my body, even though I know it's rationally true, like maybe like 60% of the time. Right. Like, today is a good day where I, I just know that. And there's not a lot of that doubt creeping in. Right. I mean, I think both of us are in positions that our families need our incomes, but I, I don't know. It makes me feel, like, kind of ill as a feminist to just be like, part of the reason I can do this is because of my husband's job. Yeah. And I think I've placed a lot of my own self-worth on how much money I've made for a mm-hmm. long time. And I'm starting to, like, really try to challenge myself on that and undo that as a measure of my self-worth and yeah. my contributions. But, I mean, I also feel like to say this out loud is motivating. And instead of apologizing for having this privilege— to me, it's just more motivating to use this as an opportunity to, like, do really good work that benefits others. Like, don't waste the situation, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just think it's important to acknowledge, like, what you've had and the people you've had that have helped you along the way. Because, yeah. like, I really feel like the motto for America, if we were going to be honest, really should be nobody makes it on their own. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you could— pick, like, the one thing that you think gave you the biggest professional advantage, what would it be? I mean, there, honestly, there have been many, but I think if I was going to pick the foundational thing that has helped me the most, it was probably graduating from college without any debt. Mm. And that was thanks to my parents. And then having some financial cushion, also thanks to my parents, to pursue journalism in New York when I graduated. I do not think I would be here without that. And that's just the yeah. truth, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's just is what it is. And so wait, so what about you? What is the biggest professional advantage that it's, you've had? I think it's telling. It's the same answer. I graduated from college debt-free. Every job I've ever had has been pretty low-paying or lower-end. And I can only do that because I don't have debt. And so I think it's really important now, too, especially as we're talking about, you know, I, I'm disappointed that we're not going to, like, forgive student debt at like $50,000, right? Like, I mean, I feel like debt, speaking of American mottos, it's like, you can't do anything without going into debt, right? And that's like how you get credit is by going into debt. But, you know, debt relief would be such a huge game changer for so many people. Right. You know, it's a lot like paid family leave. Like, it's a foundational thing that changes everything that comes after it mm-hmm. for in someone's life. And I just think like, Talking about debt relief as part of, like, a feminist issue is actually really important, and I would love to hear more about that. I think it's really important to also claim, like, the advantages people have. Not just the struggle that people have when they have debt, but the advantages people have when they don't. Yeah. Having these conversations has actually made me 
reevaluate my goals as a business a little bit. And like, it's interesting because the ultimate goal of the Double Shift, the Double Shift Productions, which is our LLC, like, is large-scale social change and how mothers are viewed and treated in society, which is, like, you know, a tad hard to measure. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very, very modest, very, you know. But I think for a lot of these last three years, like, the practical goal has just been how to make a great show and not run out of money while doing it. Like, that's just like... Have you actually, so that begs the question, like, have you been worried about running out of money? Oh, yes. So, like, in 2019, I really did not understand anything about how much time anything would take or it would cost. Mm-hmm. If I had known how little I knew, I think I, like, I don't know, I wouldn't, probably wouldn't have done the show. Like, I was so naive. But there was a bunch of time in 2019 where we had, a like, checks in the mail coming from a foundation Grant, and it was, like, checks in the mail for, like, six months. I would just lay awake at night and be like, what happens if they change their mind? Because, like, the checks in the mail, it's not a done deal until, like, you get the check. And there's nothing you can do. Yeah, and also, like, we were already, like, all the way into production. And so at that point, actually, there was a point in 2019, I loaned the business money because I was like, I have to make payroll. Like, I can't ask people to wait for this check to come. Mm -hmm. The check did come, so it was, like, happy resolution to that stress. But, yeah. Most of the time I've been running the double shift, the fear of running out of money, that has always been a looming stress that I have really Mm -hmm. shouldered myself (laughs) because that's sort of like what it means to run a small company, you know? But I think I'm working on thinking bigger about what my goals are for the show and just not operating from a place of fear and scarcity. I mean, I like this idea of thinking bigger on your goals. What, What kind of goals? One of the things recently, a very valued member of our team raised to me that she loves working on the show, but like she was thinking in a kind of longer term way that she might want to pursue a job that offered her health insurance. Right. And my first reaction was, oh my God, well, first of all, this sucks because, you know, I don't want to lose this person from working on the show. But I will never be able to offer health insurance. Like, Mm. how would I possibly do that? Like, I don't know anything about how to do that. I'm sure that that's going to cost 100 million trillion Uh plus dollars. (laughs) I'll just never be able to compete with, like, a big media company that can offer health insurance or even, like, a slightly bigger media company that can offer health insurance. Yeah. What does that feel like? I mean, we are talking about how the Double Shift is a mission-driven, values-driven company. And we – and, like, every week we talk very openly – and very, you know, passionately about our shared values, especially around the concept of collective care. So I'm just wondering, like, is it it hard? Like, how does it make you feel to not be able to offer the things that we talk about as being essential? What this conversation had made me realize is, like, I don't, I'm not taking that on my own. Like, the way society is set up and the way capitalism works and how hard it is to be a small business and offer these things in an ethical way. Our society has not set us up well to do that. But first of all, it made me realize, like, how limiting it would be long-term in terms of who can work on the show. If basically a prerequisite to work on the show is that you have to have some other way to get health insurance and benefits, that's going to really cut down on how we are going to be able to grow and Mm -hmm. the talent that we're going to be able to tap into. And I don't want to limit in that way. So what I came to is, like, no, I'm not going to be able to offer health insurance this year, but, like, 
why can't I put that on my roadmap for mm. something that I want to offer in the next few years? Why can't that be a goal? Like, right. why can't I be successful enough and financially sustainable enough to be able to offer that to people? And like, to me, that is very motivating that that's the kind of company I want to have. And no, I don't have that kind of company right now, but like, I want to believe that I can get there. We'll be back with some more real talk and also some real numbers on what it takes to make the double shift. Hey, double shifters, it's Catherine. I am so glad you're enjoying our rich back catalog of episodes. And as you may know, we aren't putting out new episodes right now, but we're doing some really cool work we want you to know about. And we'd like to stay in touch with you. Please sign up for our weekly newsletter, which is full of great storytelling and ideas about the forces that shape family life in America. To sign up, go to thedoubleshift.com slash newsletter. Also, we have a robust member community that's full of amazing moms from all over the world with Zoom hangouts on super interesting topics like creativity and challenging the status quo at work. We are building more and more ways for you all to get to know and support each other. That's just so important right now. We're also planning some great member benefits like audio newsletters. So if you particularly like connecting with us through listening, it's a great way to keep double shift thinking in your ears and in your life. Also, we are a scrappy small business and your support helps us do what we do. Thoughtful journalism that tells important stories and challenges the status quo of motherhood and beyond. To become a member, go to thedoubleshift.com slash join. So remember, sign up for our free newsletter so we can stay in touch with you. It's thedoubleshift.com slash newsletter. And consider becoming a member. Go to thedoubleshift.com slash join. Membership starts at $5 a month. Thanks. Okay, Catherine, are you ready for my big question? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for the hard journalistic questions, Angela. Hit me. Okay. Where does the money come from? You got right to the point. Okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> All right. So in anticipation of this question, I signed into QuickBooks and I did a little pie chart about mm. where our money actually comes from percentage-wise. So around 60% of our funding since we started has come from grants. Mm-hmm. And about 20% of our funding has come from advertising, like, you know, the sponsors that you hear on the show and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then about 10% has come from membership. Okay. And then, like, the other 10% sort of before times, some live events, some, like, one-off feed drop things, like people pay us to put their shows in our feed, et cetera. Like, uh-huh. so a few things like that. Okay. But those are the those are the big chunks. Okay. And is all this income based in some way on audience and listenership? So the grants aren't directly based on listenership, but the grant makers, they certainly want to know that people are listening and the show is having an impact. Like, right. they want to know that good things are coming out of the show. So advertising is based on listeners, but it's also based on, like, forces beyond our control. Like, The advertising market can be fickle. And so just to, like, be totally transparent, like, last season, for our short season, we have someone who sells our ads, and they take a 30% commission. So we get 70%. Okay. Okay. That's a a significant commission. Yeah. That's that's, That's, the deal we currently have. That's what it is. And last season, like, we netted about $7,000 
on our ads for like those four episodes. And so this year I'm actually really not sure how to predict how much we'll make. Mm -hmm. And also in case you haven't noticed, there's like tons more podcasts than there were like a couple years ago. And then on the membership piece, like members are somewhat tied to listenership. Like the bigger the pool of your listeners, the bigger the pool of potential members. Okay. So right now about 3% of our listeners are members. Huh. Also, to just put all of this into perspective about these dollar amounts, so all of our ads for last season covered, like, less than one month's worth of our costs when we're in full production mode. So to give a little more context to listeners about what our production process is like, you know, there's a lot of steps. So we have editorial meetings with the whole team to share ideas. We do storyboarding, which is a way for us to help plan, like, an arc of a show. Then there's actually interviewing the guests. And then afterwards, audio editing, multiple rounds of listening and feedback and rescripting and finesse to make these stories really work. And then there's mixing and music. And all this stuff takes a lot of time and involves a number of different paid team members. And then, you know, in terms of other costs, there's a bunch of other boring things like editing software, music licenses, podcast hosting fees, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question after hearing about the production process, but what's the biggest cost of running this show? So this is a very easy question. People are 100% the biggest cost. Like, the cost of paying people to work on the show is 85% of our costs. So I'm going to just go out on a limb and say working on the double shift is not the most lucrative job in all of media. (laughs) (laughs) Just just making a wild blanket statements yeah. here. But I am really committed to paying people fairly. So, like, I believe everyone who's working on the show is paid, like, a fair market rate. Yeah. For- I mean, I, I think it's important to think about how, yes, people are the biggest cost, but people are also the biggest asset. Oh, 100%. Totally. Yeah. Um, and on a related note, do you pay yourself? I do pay myself. Okay, good. <laughs> so, yeah, I do pay myself. I pay myself a monthly flat rate, and then everybody else on the show is paid by the hour. If you were to, like, break that down, though, would I mean, are you paying yourself a rate that's equal or, like, lower than what you're paying other people? Oh, I would say basically everyone who works on the show makes more per hour than me. I mean, that's... I had a feeling I, I had a feeling that was the answer, but I wanted... I feel like it's 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 good to know that and to... Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I maybe I pay myself a flat monthly rate so I don't have to be so depressed about what my hourly rate would be. Mm. Also, if I paid myself a fair market hourly rate, like probably the double shift couldn't afford me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, look, like you can maybe yeah. you'll be able to afford to give yourself a raise sometime soon because yeah. you deserve it. <laughs> someday, someday. I wanted to ask you, like going back to the idea of what you were saying about the goals for the show. You feel like you want to operate from this place of, you know, more from a place of abundance. But since we're talking about money, do you have have you set financial goals for the year? Yeah. So. My big goal for this year is financial sustainability. Okay. That is that is the business goal. And how I want to do that is, like, we're constantly tweaking our process to figure out, like, 
how to make a high quality show that takes less time and money Mm -hmm. (laughs) without compromising quality. Like I'm obsessed with making a high quality show. Like we do research, we do fact checking, which many podcasts do not do. Uh We spend a lot of time finding diverse subjects. So this is not like a show of people who like you and I are already friends with. Uh And I think listeners have really appreciated that over the years because we've found like really amazing voices to highlight. And, you know, I feel like we're on a good path this year. We're just getting better at it. You know, we're getting faster at it. But in terms of income and revenue, like, I feel like I have an ambitious plan. And it's that I want to make membership our biggest source of income. Mm -hmm. So, like, right now, as I mentioned, it's 10% of our income. And basically, I want to flip its percentage with grants. So it's more like 60% of our income. Okay, And, like, we've had some really good success with grants. Like, this show would not exist without grants, full stop. That is why the double shift has gotten this far. But it's just not something that I'm willing to bet on having in the long term. Like, first of all, it's super time-consuming to get those grants. Like, there's a reason, like, that people's full-time job is grant writer. (laughs) And there's reasons that at nonprofits, like, the highest paid person is the development person Mm -hmm. because it's all about years of relationship building and, like, all of this very time-consuming stuff. And the foundation world has also been pretty ravaged by COVID also in Uh terms of, like, what they're funding. So we have had some of our grant makers, one grant maker, just say, we're not renewing because of COVID. Like, just not happening. So we haven't spent all the grant money that we have, but as of right now, there's no more coming. Like, I have stopped pursuing that as as an ongoing strategy Mm -hmm. of raising grant money for this year and three years and five years, et cetera. And Part of the reason I'm doing that is that, like, I want to take a bet on putting more of my time and energy actually into the show instead of trying to get meetings with uh-huh. people who have access to money, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and giving listeners what they want and need and creating a product people are willing to pay for is sort of, like, more exciting to me than just trying to chase grants. I was going to say, you're talking about cultivating something rather than chasing something. Exactly. And I mean— If anyone who is listening is a philanthropist and wants to give us money, (laughs) I will accept with gratitude. Certainly. I will write you a handwritten thank you note. Whatever you need. Um, But I just don't want to make it a central part of the business strategy of the show because I I want to invest my time in other things. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. Um, I'm hearing you about what kind of challenges the show faces. You know, it takes a lot of energy to raise that money and to, like, beat the drum of what the mission is. Yeah. And it seems like... The show can't continue to keep going just through, like, sheer force of will. Yes. And that is a realization that I have been coming to. And, like, any illusion that my professional life could exist solely on the sheer force of my will was, like, broken by having twins. Like, Mm -hmm. I just... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. But, I mean, honestly, there's, like, a time in my life, or perhaps, like, most of my life, I would not have wanted to ask for help in any kind of public way to say, like, listen, we really need more members to make this show. Like, that is still uncomfortable for me and is not something that I would have wanted to do. It would have sort of been more comfortable from my personality standpoint, to just sort of try to privately and furiously make this happen and find money in other ways. But Mm. actually working on the show has taught me that it's okay to ask your community for help and to support you. Like, that is such a big part of what we talk about on the show. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Catherine, are you ready to put into practice all of these things that we've been talking about? I am so ready. Let's do it. All right. So listeners, as you've heard, we need you. And if you are able, become a member of the show. It starts at $5 a month. And Catherine, can you remind listeners what they get? Members get members-only episodes every other Wednesday, which is basically like the Double Shift Weekly. So you get a weekly dose of the Double Shift, and you also get an ad-free show, which I know a lot of people really like, so you don't have to listen to advertisements if you're a member. And next week, for our members-only episode, we are going to spill some tea on being freelance writers with some dollars and cents attached, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. And... We also are hoping to add more benefits later this year. So go to thedoubleshift.com slash join to become a member. It's also in the show notes. Um, can we go back to more benefits? What, yes. uh, what kind of stuff are we talking about? <gasps> so I'm not ready to give an official drop date announcement. I'm not ready to do that. But I will just say one word, and that one word is merch. Oh. <laughs> um, immediately I'm imagining, I'm fantasizing about a tote bag. Keep those fantasies going, Angela. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned that it's only 3% of Double Shift listeners that are members, which I I have to be honest, I was kind of surprised by that number. Do you have a goal for how many listeners you want to be members? Yes. The goal is 10%. If 10% of our listeners became members, we would be on like a truly excellent path to financial sustainability. So do you think that's too ambitious? No, not at all. Good. Let's do it. All right. I have kind of a tough question for you, Catherine. Okay. You know, as you know, we've reported on the show that mothers are some of the hardest hit people financially right now. Yes. So do you feel like or do you worry, you know, that a good chunk of people who want to be members and support this operation... Um, it's just not really an option right now. Yes, totally. I'm I'm glad we're talking about this because I've thought about that a lot. And I think this is a really amazing community of people who want to support each other. So there's a couple of things I want to share. First of all, you can gift a membership to the Double Shift to anyone in your life who might not be able to afford it or might not think to treat themselves to it. So you can do that at thedoubleshift.com slash gifts. Also, if you sign up for a silver or gold year-long membership, we will gift a membership to a Double Shift listener who wants to be part of the membership community but can't afford it right now. That's a great idea. I love that. <laughs> so if you are someone who can afford a $10 or $25 a month membership, we will use some of that donation to bring more people our membership benefits. And if you'd like to be one of those members and it's just not in the cards for you financially right now, Email us at askthedoubleshift at gmail.com, and we will hook you up with memberships as people donate them. Yeah, and I think also it's great to remember that, you know, your support, financial support is great, but it's not the only thing that you can do. Spreading the word about the show is, like, just sharing it with people who you know would get something out of the show. It goes a long way. Yeah, totally. Regardless if you're able to become a member, tell your friends about the show. That's a huge help to us. Drop it in a group text post on Instagram about it. You can share it in your work Slack. You can set up a Zoom to discuss it with your friends, like a book club. Do, I mean- Do people do that? 
I mean, I'm not sure if anyone's ever done that, but the show is actually on multiple college syllabi, I have been told huh. by college professors, which I love. I love the idea of people sitting around in a classroom or on a Zoom classroom discussing the show. But if, I don't know, if you're doing a Zoom pod club chat about the double shift, please tell us. Maybe Angela and I will Zoom bomb you. I mean, <laughs> it would be my first to uh, visit to a pod club. Yes, I think it's a great idea. I love it. Okay. But in all seriousness, we love hearing from listeners and members. I get so many amazing emails and ideas from you all. Also, if there's something that you would like us to offer in membership, like, don't be shy. Just let us know. Email us, askthedoubleshift at gmail.com. I personally respond to every listener that writes. The Double Shift is created and hosted by me, Catherine Goldstein. Our co-host is Angela Garbez. Our senior producer is Rachel McCarthy. We are also produced by Asal Asanikor. Our editor is Anita Rao. Our research assistant is Jada Hester. Music is by Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme song is by Pale Hound. Our mixer is Corey Shreffel. We're funded in part by the generous support of the Ford Foundation and you, our members. Remember, we can't do this without you. Go to thedoubleshift.com slash join to become a member. We are independently produced and distributed. Thanks for being part of The Double Shift.